Quick content warning before we begin, we discuss suicide around minute 49. Welcome to episode 140 of the Left Behind Game Club. This week, we continue our Life is Strange series with episode 2, Out of Time. Let's get right into it. You're listening to the Left Behind Game Club. Welcome to the Left Behind Game Club, our never-ending attempt to make sure that no game is left behind. I'm your host, Jacob McCord, and today I have three friends with me. The first friend, you know him, you love him, his name is Michael Ruffalo. Oh, shucks, I'm excited to talk about this episode. Our second friend, the chief guns officer of the Left Behind Game Club, here to talk about a game with a gun. It's Mo Murtati. I feel like I was tricked, but I'm excited to talk about this episode. And our Life is Strange aficionado expert... Uh, Flora Eloise, welcome back to the show. I'm ready to travel through time. And our fearless <laughs> host who is flagging down the planes as he intros us all is Jacob McCourt. Did I not say my name? You might have, but... Uh, I'll intro myself twice. twice there you nice. go. Uh, Jacob McCourt. Hi, that's me. Uh, we are going into episode two of our Life is Strange series, Out of Time. If you've not listened to our first episode, uh, you may want to do that. Or do what Mo Murtati did, right, Mo? Sorry, sorry. I think I hinted you guys in the beginning. So yeah, coming in fresh, episode two, no episode one, kind of had to make some assumptions, kind of came in fresh. Pretty excited to talk about it, though. I really want to know how this changed Mo's interpretation of what happens. Well, let's jump in right now. Like, Mo, you, you played episode two, you didn't play episode one. Is there any way to make the choices from episode one? Like, how does that work? Yeah, so it prompts, when, it, when I first downloaded it, because I think the episode one was like free and I played it on PlayStation. Episode two was like uh, the additional content. And I was like, let me just see if it's possible to start at episode two because I was a little bit of a time crunch. When I booted up, it's like, hey, this game is important where you have to play episode one first. There's some important decisions that lead to episode two. And it says, do you want to randomize what you did in episode one? And I was like, yeah, that'll make it more fun for me. I'll just kind of imagine and guess what I did based off of everyone's like body language and the way they talk to me. And I kind of came in fresh. Like, what do I know now? And what can I make as an assumption of what I did or didn't do in the past? And then I, that's how I kind of set my frame and focus for all my decisions. This is, this is an amazing opportunity for us. So Mo, I, I need to know, what do you think happened in episode one? If you were to guess, what do you think happened? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Um, to, be honest, to be honest, I have no idea. I th- I'm pretty sure... Sh- just because I don't know what like storyline started in episode one, but I, I know that like what happened in the past and why we're at episode two, there was a, a party of some sort, um, and I think there was some maybe some medicine being passed around or something where a girl gotcha. was taken advantage of. Uh, and then uh, oh. there was, I think, an opportunity where the main character that you play may should should have stood up for her or didn't stand up for her or something, mm-hmm. and they made a decision either one way or the other. My character, I think, didn't do something good, like they kind of maybe uh, uh, let the person get taken advantage of. And then this story comes along where you kind of everyone's sobering up after the next day and kind of dealing with the aftermath of this uh, high school trauma drama story kind of thing. Not to get gotcha. too vague, but that's essentially what I think happened. Yeah. So it was an episode of Euphoria. I actually, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. Um, not quite, but you're not wrong. Like, okay. Those things essentially happen 
but not in episode one. They okay. happen in the story before episode one. Then I have no idea then. And uh, should we do a quick, very, very quick recap of what happens in ep one? Yeah, Flora, I think that's, that's probably a good thing. Flora, you probably know it better than any of us. Oh, gosh. Elevator pitching episode one. Um, basically, there's kind of a rich kid Northwest United States high school that um, suddenly you take control of a young teenage girl and she has time travel powers to rewind time oh, yeah. at specific that. intervals. And um, over the course of the first episode, you um, save someone from being shot in a bathroom that person that you save turns out to be a long lost friend and uh, you reconnect with them over the course of that first episode is kind of the main thing that happens. Yeah. And then, then a lighthouse falls down. And oh yeah. T- so I'm skimming over some supernatural bits. <laughs> yeah. There's a, a tornado. Impending. And, yeah. A, a tornado on the yeah. water that's going to come I, I and noticed, destroy the town. I noticed there's flashbacks and things. So I'm assuming there's like a bigger story coming along and yeah. 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 Okay. So you're, you're basically caught up pretty much. So. so this story opens, uh, Max is sleeping in her dorm, and she wakes up, and that is when you can decide to water a plant or not. <laughs> All right, so we have to talk about the plant. I wasn't going to bring it up myself, but in the first playthrough, I ignored the plant, and I am a plant person. Like, I was at the time working in horticulture, and um, the the guilt that I felt for that plant, like, actually haunted me because the game shows you the choices that you make at the end of the episode. And I just didn't notice the plant. So this time in this playthrough, each episode, I have gone out of my way to water that plant and keep it alive. We'll see what happens, if that even matters. But, you know, one of those superficial choices. I'm a human being that has no plants in my life because I kill every single one of them. So in the video game, of course, I'm going to water the plant. <laughs> I'm kind of concerned. You have multiple cats, though. I take care of the cats because they're like beings. Right. Plants can die. It's cool. (laughs) Come on. Plants aren't living things. (laughs) No, they're not. (laughs) So uh, in this instance, a bunch of stuff happens. You can save one of the uh, dorm friends from getting toilet paper thrown at them. And this is when you start to learn about what's going on with Kate. The thing that you alluded to, Mo, about Kate, um, something happening at a party. Um that's when you go to Kate's room and really find out what is truly happening. And the thing that you learn is that something really terrible happened and she is really the victim of a viral video um, that is going around the dorms and the school. What did you all think immediately when that happened? Well, what one of the things that um, sticks out to me with the video, I, I don't know if at this point in the game, you can, I think you can watch the video or you can choose not to. Um, but the video itself, um, should I describe it? Yeah, I didn't okay. know you could watch it. Yeah. I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it in this episode either, but my memory is that um, Kate, this character who's cast as like a very orthodox sort of Christian, um, she kind of breaks the good girl role stereotype and makes out with a bunch of people at a club and looks, um, I think some of the characters describe her as sleazy and whatnot, and she is effectively bullied and kind of blackmailed with this video. It's sent to all of her loved ones, and that that dissonance in her identity really is traumatizing for her because um, as we find out, she was drugged. This was not something that she would normally have decided to do. I didn't realize you could watch that video, period. I- obviously in the in the uh chat options i chose like no 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 like definitely i totally believe you you know definitely don't need to see it we can let that go 
all of that. But I I didn't realize that the game would give you a choice to to watch the video. If I had known, I had might have watched it only to like see if there were clues um, as to what was going on there. Yeah, and that's the thing. I I didn't know any of the relationships coming in because I just woke up in that dormitory essentially, like fresh. Like, what is this? Essentially, day one of this game was me waking up. So as soon as I saw like the girl just in full trauma, like ha- like literally, this is the worst thing that's ever happened in her life. I'm like, okay, this person looks like they're close to me. So you know, what? we're gonna be the friend, supportive, whatever you need, because they are in like the most fragile state you could ever imagine in this game. So I kind of came in fresh. I'm like, this person looks like they're a really close friend of mine. So we're all in team, team support team. Like, what do you need from me? Believe you, whatever you want kind of thing, just so they can kind of get out of that moment. And then you can kind of figure out the details if that's necessary down the line. That's kind of where my head was at when I first came in. And Mo, you bring up a great, a great point. And this is really the first choice in the game of like, do you want to comfort her? And how do you comfort her? Do you want to comfort her and say, hey, we need to uh, get more evidence before we do anything? Or do we need to tell someone what happened to you? Uh, I want to know what y'all did. Let's start first with Mike. I said we need to wait for more proof. Um, mostly because it the the sense of it was, you know, we've we've already tried to take down some of these people before, and these uncoordinated attacks are uh, are not successful. So we need to like build the case. We need to. I think when you choose the option that says, like, hey, we need to wait for more proof, um, your character makes a pretty compelling, like, argument as to, like, hey, totally believe you. Totally think this is a real thing. Just want to make sure that when we actually shoot that shot, it lands and it sticks. Um, and, yeah, that's what I picked. It, it felt like the right choice. Um, it's I, I, I see that point of view, too, Mike, and I think I would have chose that, but just in the moment... In my head, I was like, okay, document it right now. Memories are essentially fresh. Bring it up. And what's the hurt? All of the, like figuring out, finding clues that could, that will still come regardless. But like what you could lose is just that small little memories that during this period of trauma might be lost. Whether it's like a name, whether it's a smell, whether it's whatever it could be, whether even nothing happened, it could be like some crazy story comes up. But at the same time, my choice was let's just go document it because they're not going to like if you my assumption is if you just bring this thing up they're not going to kick down a door and just pull this kid out who i don't know yet or whatever happened they're going to be like okay let's just start the process of figuring out what happened no one's in trouble let's just and that's why i chose let's just report it and have that kind of check mark that it was brought up now and then we can figure it out down the line that's kind of why i chose let's just let's uh let's let's report it that's a good point that's that's a good like thoughtful angle to take there, Flora. What what about you? Um, I remember in my first playthrough um, doing what you did and thinking in a very similar like rationalistic approach, Mike. Um, and in this playthrough, um, because in my original playthrough something awful happens to Kate uh, in this episode, I decided to kind of stick up for her no matter what, even if there wasn't sufficient proof at the moment, and um, because I felt like that might be a more emotionally reassuring gesture. Yeah, and I, I took the the pragmatic approach. Obviously, what happened is terrible, uh, I believe, Kate. Um, but it's been proven that these adults, um, in, in like pure YA, like Fox CW show fashion, like <laughs> none of the adults believe what's happening. So you just needed a little bit of time to say, okay, what happened? 
let's get a little bit of proof and then let's go talk to the authorities about what happened. Um, although later in the episode, you do something similar and it, it doesn't seem to go anywhere, but I'm foreshadowing. So it sounds like we're split on this one. Uh, pretty much like the audience, at least in my playthrough, that it was 52% went said, let's go to the police and 48% said, let's wait for more proof. Those are the best choices in my mind in a game like this where it ends up being 50-50. That's in my mind when I know the writers did a good job. Cool. Uh, and that's when you leave the dorm and start to make your way towards the, the cafe, correct? Yeah, exactly. All right. So you make your way to the cafe unless there's anything major that you, y'all want to touch on oh, yeah. about the school. Oh, okay. 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 Cool. Go ahead, Mo. You uh, start. Okay. So just because just I want to throw this in there, like, I got to the point. Remember, I'm starting this fresh. So when I came yes. in, I'm just walking in a schoolyard. I think this is like an episode of like, is it like bully the game. I'm in the dormitory. I'm kind of <laughs> meeting, I'm meeting some people. I'm like, all right. And I, I was told there was like a gun in the games. So I'm like, all right, let's find some contraband. Let's see what's going on. Am I like a, I am I a dealer it. here? I love it. Mo's looking for the gun. Because I'm coming in fresh and like life is strange. I'm like, wouldn't it be strange if there's like some like contraband like <laughs> mafia thing going on in this high school or i actually thought it was an orphanage at one point because i didn't know what was going on um anyways as i'm walking in the hallway all of a sudden i start doing like dr strange circles and time starts moving and i'm like what is going on like i, I could have like no one told me what this oh, game was man. and then eventually it, it kind of it still had a little bit of the instructions to like let you know what's going on but i had to little snowball into it essentially you're playing a dr strange game when he was in high school that's that's what we're playing but yeah, that's my crazy one. I had to bring it up because you guys didn't have this like moment, but for me, this happened during this transition from the high school moving on to the next part. You had the most unique experience, Mo. I, I, we're not even at the end with all of your interpretations <laughs> of the decisions you make, but I, I can already tell you had the most unique experience anyone could have with this. I was having a good time. I can <laughs> And one small thing to point out along the way to the diner, um, you run into the character Warren again, and um, in this game, you're kind of like casually encouraged to romance potentially two characters if you would like to, um, and in my original playthrough, I, I won't be too specific yet because I think it's still too early in the episodes to really talk about any of that stuff. But um, you run into Warren again along the way, and I have a quote from him written down because it was just so... I mean, the dialogue in this game just never ceases to make my jaw drop to the floor. Um, but he says, I wanted to rap about what happened in episode one where Warren sticks up for you. And just hearing, like, ostensibly a high schooler say, I wanted to rap about something is, I, I just, oh my goodness, it's too much. There were, there were serious, so not only are, like, word choices pretty, like, weird and out of place and a little odd, um, but this is the this is the episode where I realized what feels odd about this game for me, and that is like some of the voice acting is top notch, like really really good, and some of it is the worst I might have ever heard. Like where you can tell the two people who are supposed to be having a conversation have never been in the same room together, um, have no idea what the other person's line delivery sounds like, and they are they're operating in a in a in a black box they're looking at like ah well they've said this on the page and their response tonally just does not match what what was being said um and yeah i think i think i felt this when i was talking to it, it clicked it was you know the really smart girl in the lab um when you need to solve the the science puzzle with warren I'm yep. blanking on her name, but I was talking to her in the dorm and her response 
as I was leaving the dorm, her responses and the delivery of the line was completely unlike the the like the words my character said. So I was like, ah, oh, this is this is where I feel it is the most cringy, awkward, weird pulls me out of the experience of it. And it it's it's unfortunate because there are moments of this game that really suck you in. You're talking about Brooke, right? Yes. Brooke I is her that's name. It. She loves yep. drones. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Cool. Um, so yeah, we get to the diner. We hop. Well, I think we hop on the bus, get mm-hmm. to the diner, um, and we are met with. I'm blanking on the mother's well, name. Well, Joyce. 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 Before that, yes. small. So really, there's like five major choices, and then a bunch of like minor choices. Mm-hmm. I think we're gonna touch on all the five majors, and then some of the minors were applicable. So here, the second one is: Did you answer Kate's call or not? She calls. I think for support, and I'm imagining that most of us wanted to be supportive and picked up the call. I did. Mike? Well, that was on your way out of the diner. Yeah, right? you're jumping oh. ahead on that. So, Apologies. Um, specifically, like when you get to the area, you have a chance to walk around the Two Whales Diner, which is where Chloe's mom, Joyce, works. And um, you can talk to a number of optional characters on the outside. I don't know how much any of you ex- actually explore that environment, but um, because I'm doing a 100% playthrough, um, there are a number of optional photos that you can, uh, well, for the achievements to pop, you have to take them. And so um, there's like a homeless lady, there's like a trucker, there's like someone with the dog, there's a couple other things. And did any of you explore the outside of the diner? I did. I spent so did I. I spent time talking to. I got the optional photo of that trailer and dog uh, out back, um, but I did not go talk to that person. Which there's a, a cue later Same. on that they're like, "Hey, don't go talk to that guy." <laughs> I spoke to the man outside of the diner and then said, "I'm good. I'm going to go in the diner." Yeah, I, I had a dog bark at me for way too long. And then I went around the other way. <laughs> I saw the homeless person. I think I took like one of the like conversation paths. I, I didn't see. I wasn't like I didn't wasn't interested to proceed in the conversation. I just wanted to get into the diner and pre- like go move on. So just mm-hmm. outside, dog barked at me. Talked to a homeless person, and I took some photos. That's pretty much my exploration path. Did you guys talk with the fisherman? No, no, no. There's a fisherman at the side of the diner, who's. Uh, who you have some exchanges with talking about uh, the Prestons? No, what's the what's the name of the the, the, the family that owns the Prescotts? You're talking about how the Prescotts own just about everything, and he's like, they even own your school. And I'm like, boy, do I know it! Boy, <laughs> do I know it! Um, so yeah, you do some exploring outside, talk to the different characters, get a bit of a, a sense. I think I also talked to the woman who was paranoid about being late for her job interview that she had to leave the city for and hop on a bus. Um, but you get inside the diner and this for me was a moment that I was excited for because, you know, in the first episode, Mo, let me just explain when you're looking around, uh, looking around, uh, what is it? Joyce's house. Um, there's a, you know, little menu or whatever. And you're like, Oh, Joyce's food was the best. And Joyce is one of the best people I ever know. And I look up to her so much. So I was like, oh, this is a real moment where you get to, one, get some good grub. But two, like, you know, really see the type of person that your character looks up to. Um, And what I found very odd was that I was kind of expecting a warm welcome or at least some type of acknowledgement as soon as you get into the diner. But you basically can roam the diner until you decide to sit down in a booth. 
and talk to everyone. And Joyce is right there. It's not like she can't see you. So it's this very weird dissonance between like what you would expect the relationship of the characters to be and how the game like allows you to interact with it. Did anyone else feel that? I I immediately sat down. Um, I think I, I uh, roamed around the main part of the diner. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I found my seat pretty quickly and said, oh, I'm, I'm going <coughs> to just find my seat. But you could even go into the bathroom and there was like graffiti on the on the mirror and mm-hmm. you could take an optional photo, right? Flora, you're, you're mm-hmm. making the, the picture uh, gesture. <laughs> what What is on the mirror? Is it like... That's, by the way, that's just so we know, that was an actual physical camera gesture, <laughs> which means that Flora is at least a millennial. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> yeah. Because if you, if you ask a kid these days to take a photo, they, as if, you know, as if they have a phone out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they're monsters. <laughs> yeah, in my original playthrough, I explored and talked to everybody in the diner, but because I was just going for the achievements while replaying the story, um, I, my focus wasn't really on this scene necessarily. Um, I did go into the bathroom and take a, a photo of the graffiti on the mirror, and um, I remember when I originally did speak to all the people, there was kind of some quirky dialogue. Um, you get to know a few characters who will show up in later episodes, um, as well as when you sit down at the end of the diner in a little booth, um, Joyce comes over to you and offers you a choice of food. And, you know, there is some warm welcome reminiscing, but I think the reason, um, Mike, I totally understand your point about like the dissonance there. Like there should have probably been some cut scene of acknowledgement, like, Hey Max, like um, go, you know, sit yourself down and then I'll come visit you. It's so nice to see like there, that would have solved the problem entirely. But um, I wasn't really thinking about that, so I, I think think that's a really nice point. But when Joyce does come to uh, your booth, she reprimands you a little bit because um, depending on how you played your cards in Chloe's house during episode one, um, you were busted smoking weed, and that was something that the parents were not okay with. And uh, in my playthrough, I had owned up and said that that was my joint that Chloe was found with. And Same. so um, I there was a little bit of scolding and a little bit of like that motherly disappointment and um, so I, I kind of felt like deserved of maybe the cold shoulder um, leading into the more warm welcome. She then asks you, was that actually your weed? Mm-hmm. And what, you know, just I just want to know, what did you guys do there? I took the blame. Because I ended up saying, I ended up saying, actually, no, it's not mine. Like, I don't, I don't want to be tired with this. But your character ends up saying it was a friend's. So... <laughs> It wasn't mine, but it was a friend's that I was holding on to it for, and definitely not your daughter's, <laughs> which I thought was like the funniest little weaselly way to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not me, but it's also not hers. But I mean, for all the unrealistic dialogue, like, is that not something you would have said to your parent if they found weed? They're like, uh, I'm just holding on to someone else's weed, mom. Yeah. <laughs> just holding on to Duh. it for your friend. Yeah. Uh, I felt something else was super quirky. It was like all the characters inside the diner and even outside the diner like didn't have names. They were like truck driver, man, <laughs> dude, <laughs> truck guy, weird lady. Like I just I loved that. That was such a small little touch that I I really enjoyed. There's there was also your two classmates who were who also happened to be in the diner uh, who are in a booth and again a very weird moment. And again, this was like one of those things I was like, how did who developed this without thinking about this, that you have a conversation with both of them individually. It's not a combined conversation, but each combo you have is talking to them about the other person as if they are not sitting right across from the table. 
And it is it is such a weird socially awkward thing. And I was like, this is not teenage social awkwardness. This is like the game creating awkwardness because they had not thought through this when they when they mapped it out. Man, I was sitting there missing all of that, Mike, all this awkwardness, because I was still fixated on my Doctor Strange powers and how I can <laughs> go back in time. So all I was focused on, like, this is free. This is really cool. And not even realizing the relationships that are being developed or not. It was, yeah, I thought it was such a weird moment. <laughs> yeah, it, it, we know what these two characters, Justin and Trevor, like, were there for. They are the burnouts, right? And they're supposed to mm-hmm. be, like, in a, in, like, Max Keeble's day off what a weird pull radical that is like the people in the background they're like let's go skate i'm high woo it yeah he's just put goalie (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) um exactly we show off our powers mo so i want your perspective the next part is i'm gonna show chloe that i have these powers by watching what happens around us and then recounting everything that happened and also sharing what's in like her pockets to pr- no, Mike, am I backwards again? I f- no, you're right. I just hated this you hated it. so much. Okay, I hated yeah. this so much. Sorry, Jacob, you were 100% correct. You described it very Thank well. You. It just brought me back to that painful moment of having to just do this thing over and over and over because the options that it gives you are not exactly clear relative to what the actual event is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I probably redid it about as many times as there are decisions to choose. <laughs> Holy. Wow. I, I, I messed up like once. I th- No, maybe twice. And then I pulled up like a little memory thing and it was like a little, it had like a bullet point. You had this many things, this many things. And then it said like, this happened, this happened, and this happened. And it even had a little helpful, like choose this option. Because even oh. for like the policeman, there's two options. Like either he, he follows him outside or... Uh, he lets him go away, and they're both opposite of each other. So that's kind of what I used. Are to you saying in your journal there was like a cue to be like, "Hey, if you hit the journal button, it would do that," or no? No. So like when I when I got stuck the, twice and I had to rewind all the way because I messed up, mm-hmm. I pulled up a guide got with it. what was in the pocket and then what the decisions mm-hmm. you should choose to proceed. Just because I didn't want to rewind seven times because of all the permutations you could have chosen and messed it up, kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, that's a great point because you first have to say, Chloe, you have a Panda keychain, seven cigarettes, 86 cents, and a parking ticket from 1034 in your pocket. And then you have to prove like, four things that happen. And I don't know about y'all, but the th- I did this probably 10 times. Uh, wow. Only, only because um, I, I got each one wrong probably like twice. But then the last choice, I didn't look back at the jukebox and figure out that there was a cockroach like on the yeah. like I actually have to turn my screen and look at the jukebox and that's why I ended mm-hmm. up doing it no joke five times uh, or that one wow sorry total ten times but that one I exhausted every choice Flora were you in the same boat I actually on this playthrough only messed up once and it was that cockroach yep. um, oh. so I had to rewind one time to make that series of choices again but I do remember distinctly in my original playthrough being just so detached from that scene it felt like padding almost in the story i didn't even think that the time travel verification method that you were undergoing even made logical sense like chloe needs reasons she needs proof of your time travel powers (laughs) and it's it's it becomes like for all intents and purposes telepathy um or at least that's how it's like presented and i just i find this to be one of the weaker moments that the powers are actually used for totally totally and I the, the cockroach on the jukebox at the end <laughs> is 
the like the cherry on top of a Swedish sequence <laughs> because it's like one it is such a small thing right it's it's not like a big thing to notice it's not like oh trucker drops his cup of coffee yeah. then police scanner goes off and his partner drives away and you know this thing and then that thing happens or you know janice scolds the the two boys those things are like clear moments but like you're not close you're not that close to the jukebox to see the cockroach and i think i remember i could be wrong someone fact check me on this but i think i remember at the end of the of the last episode when it gives you that end cutscene uh, thing there was like butterflies and i thought butterflies were part of the imagery of this game and i was like also like a butterfly being on that jukebox would be way more like weird and like on some level like this game is sort of like butterfly effect right where you make one small choice and it impacts everything later so I was like, ah, thematically, a, a butterfly would be way more appropriate as well than a cockroach. And I was like, man, I'm just guessing on this one. And I'm just picking, like, I know I got all the other ones right. <laughs> and now I have to, like, just wait and choose and, and look at this. And I was like, this is this is so dumb. Hated it. To be slightly fair, just, just to make sure that we don't entirely denigrate the scene, I do think that the game is somewhat forgiving in its rewind and fast-forward capabilities here. Like, you can just hit, um, at least on a controller, the R1 trigger and um, just skip to the next point where you actually make the choice. So it's at least palatable, if tedious. Yeah, and that's definitely just to save, like, hardware repair costs for TVs and controllers. People <laughs> would be chucking them so hard if that functionality wasn't there. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I, it, to me, this was like the worst L like I don't I'm not playing this game for a an adventure game puzzle. I'm playing this Same. game for the narrative. Yeah. So because because of that, I was like, this is this is the absolute last thing I want to be doing in this game. There's there are a lot of adventure games that I enjoy playing, um, but the puzzle elements are usually especially when they're this like. Oh, got to get every tumbler in the lock hit at the right moment. Um, very frustrating. Yeah, you want to play a Telltale adventure game. You don't want Monkey Island or even like Sam and exactly. Max, right? Got it. Exactly. Well, if you don't want puzzles out of this game, this is the episode that is just laden with puzzles. There are a few more that we probably will have a similar conversation about. Tell me about it. Yeah. Tell me about it. We'll save that crowbar uh, conversation I think for I fa- later. I fared fared better with some of those but uh so where do we go after the diner uh we go to the junkyard but that choice with with kate's phone call is right before we go to the junkyard oh, yeah so good call quickly i took the call i just wanted to be supportive mike what'd you do so i initially took the call and then uh chloe's reaction is like really negative and i was like oh she makes a good point and kind of like, this is where I role-played a bit. Like, my philosophy in the game, or my philosophy in life is, like, you know, the people in front of you are more important than anyone that could be calling in almost every situation. Mm-hmm. Um, like, be present be with the people you're with. So I was like, eh, I'm just going to rewind time and not pick up the phone. <laughs> okay. Um, I also got a shitty text message from her after I didn't pick up. So I was like, oh, yeah, screw this. Like... I, I was super supportive the whole way. I just didn't pick up. Like, you know how many times I miss calls from people just because I was busy doing something else? Like, screw that. So I re- reround and, and chose the other option. Flora, did you pick up the phone? 
in my original playthrough, I did not. And I think it was because I was trying to sort of um, kindle that relationship between Max and Chloe. And Chloe, I mean, playing this the second time, she sounds so pouty and entitled and selfish in that scene with her complaints. Um, she doesn't have the patience to just like hang out for 30 seconds while this really important um, call from a friend who's just undergone life-changing trauma is and um i i did in this playthrough pick up the phone it felt like um because my main concern was being kind to kate throughout basically everything that i was doing in this episode um i wanted to make sure that i was there on the other that's end. a good point yeah that's exactly my thought process too flora it was literally like and coming in fresh like i don't know the relationship with chloe i just i picked up like almost like spoiled brat like always needs attention like you breathe like it's a phone call and then you have a good friend that in my playthrough i'm like this person is like going through a life changing crazy moment in their life and just need potentially a phone call maybe this is the phone call that stops them from doing something so in my head i'm like this they need like give me two seconds and then the, the, for me i got the opposite perspective once i answered the phone and uh i think it's chloe i believe she's like oh why you don't have a moment for me blah blah, blah. i'm like chill like come, like 30 <laughs> seconds to someone in trauma Daddy, can you like chill. we're gonna go like have go get like a, a blizzard or something like we can wait 30 seconds for me to answer a call that might stop someone from like doing something terrible so that was my thought process and look back yeah so some of the context that you might not have had mo exactly was, okay. was that um chloe and max were best of friends until max dropped her one day moved to a different city and did not call text or do anything basically gotcha. left her so chloe probably has some type of abandonment issue or uh or feeling like she isn't getting the attention she she needs mm -hmm. or deserves um on some level because she saved her life uh, <laughs> oh, in episode okay. one which you don't especially see yeah i'm coming in fresh kind of thing yeah but no i like both your rationale and flora's makes a lot of sense to me um, Jacob, what did you do? Uh, I already said I, I picked up the phone. I wanted to be a good supportive friend. Oh, right. Um, but speaking of the antith the opposite of fresh, uh, let's go to the junkyard. Yeah, that was weird. A little weird. And the first thing you have to do is go find a bunch of bottles to shoot with a gun. And I don't know about y'all, but it took me 10 minutes to find a bottle. <laughs> Bad. It was Bad. so frustrating. I found two of them or three of them and i had explored the whole junkyard because i you know i wanted to see what like story cues and moments i got some optional photos um and then i was like screw this episode i'm pulling up a guide show me where all the bottles are i'm i'm, ti I'm tired of this um and i wanted to ask mo i i missed it if this was specified are you playing the remastered collection or the original game um, I, I'm playing the version that's on PS4. I think it's the normal one, but I'm not sure if it's remastered or not. It was. Uh, it just said "Life is Strange" like PS4 title. I'm playing it on my PS5, but it's a PS4 game, so the I don't know if it's remastered. Gotcha. The re only reason I ask is because in the remaster, apparently they have added more bottles into this scene, and I got stuck exactly like y'all did in the original junkyard. It took me ten, maybe probably longer minutes to find these dang bottles. But in the remaster collection, or at least um, it was it. Not only I read something about this, but it just felt this way. Um, I found the bottles in like three minutes. It was so much easier this time, and it wasn't because I knew where to look. See, I had something like 
kind of similar, but I, I use like almost like a programming, like logic thing for like maze traversal, essentially like pretending like you have one hand on a wall and just following that wall on the outside perimeter of like the, the maze. So I was able to kind of pick them up easily because I knew I've already traversed this area, go to the next one, traverse because my hand's on the wall and that kind of helped me stick through. And that, that comes to me almost in all like games when it's like any kind of maze, you can always, if you do that method, you can always escape it. Even if it's not the quickest method, you'll still be able to traverse it all the way to the end. So that's kind of what the I one, used. The one that was most frustrating to me was the one that's by the fire pit tucked oh. in between the cars. And I was like, I didn't know I could even get in there. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, that, was, yeah, that, that was the really frustrating one. That one actually I couldn't find. That was my, I think, one of my last ones. And there was an audio cue. I think Max's character was like, I think there's people that like use a bonfire. And then I see smoke coming up across the, the way. So I made my way to the smoke, and sure enough, that's exactly where that crack was, and I was able to find it that way. So I think that might be a tricky one that they kind of added a little hint in the storyline to get to. I think that was the second trickiest one for me. The tricky one, weirdly, was the one that was on top of the fridge, only because I just kept walking by it because I didn't realize. Chloe kept oh. saying, uh, sorry, Max kept saying, hey, maybe we should go check a refrigerator. And I thought there's a there's a fridge door inside of that little cabin. So is it somewhere around here? When really it was right in front of my face, just standing on top mm-hmm. of a tire. You had to do a little puzzle. But yeah, I, I found this whole section like frustrating for me. Yeah. And once you collect the bottles, Chloe then reveals that she has the gun with her, and you play like a little <laughs> shooting gallery with dialogue boxes. America. Where, yeah, definitely. Um, and you have to like just train her accuracy through description, and you have to it just so redo weird. a number of different shots and rewind a series of times, which then escalates to like using environmental objects to like make the bullets ricochet and still hit the bu- it puzzles abound in this area it is tedious it's slow it makes me dislike chloe because she's making me do all of this um and i didn't i mean i didn't enjoy it the first time but especially this time the ricochet puzzles are the worst i hate them so much because like one it just made me feel super uncomfortable when you're shooting at things and the bullets are bouncing like yeah, I'm like we're gonna you're gonna shoot yourself <laughs> unintentionally. Well, here's here's um, a fun thing: y- you can shoot yourself in this game. Get out yep. of here! Yep. I shot Chloe. Yep. How? Hit the wrong object and it bounced back oh, and man. it landed in Chloe's stomach and she said, "Rewind, rewind!" And <laughs> thank God I did. <laughs> oh my God! This I like, shot this, myself. This is like this, unreal. Like firearm safety is not a joke, and these people are not aware of their target and not aware what's past their target. Like, guaranteed fingers on the trigger they, they need standard firearm training they don't they don't realize the danger that they're in yeah yep. safety always on uh and that's when the commotion brings a new character into focus here uh our boy frank 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 the tank what a douche let's talk about frank <laughs> flora you're laughing <laughs> Well, I I still feel unsavory about Frank, um, but in this episode, I noticed that with regards to the choice that you make in this scene here, still with the gun, uh, I think I'm the only one here who didn't uh, fire on Frank. <laughs> oh, so interesting. Originally, oh. yeah. So originally, I did not fire at Frank, and then I reround, and I was like, no, I'm going to shoot at this guy. <laughs> Because it is unsatisfactory the way it plays out. 
Like, I thought we'd be able to, like, keep him at bay at some capacity and, like, the threat of it would work. But, no, it definitely doesn't. I was like, hey, I've got a rewind feature. I can just shoot him. And if this goes, like, really south and I really don't want to, I can always rewind again and undo that action. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm going to have my cake and eat it, too, and see what both of these look like. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I ended up settling on shooting him. Hmm. Shoot. No, I, I definitely did not. Um, when, cause I think it was the, the, it was like, uh, that was the only firearm in the situation. I didn't feel like there was like a immediate life in danger. Uh, and I felt like the, the max would not have even realized the, the potential harm that could have happened, whether it's a wound, whether it's you living with your life that you just shot someone for the rest of your life. Uh, like it's life changing for everyone in that situation. And it didn't require that extra step. So in my head, I'm like, there's the worst case that can happen is uh, you put that down. The person kind of like backs off or runs away. I didn't know that if this person was a crazy person because I'm coming in as episode two. Face value, there was no immediate harm. These people do not know how to operate a firearm. I'm like, don't shoot. Something's going to happen. You're going to miss, shoot Chloe, whatever it might be. You make a great point, Mo. But I was really just hoping that we would like shoot him in the foot or shoot him <laughs> in the thigh or, you know, shoot him in like not center mass, you know, not like in his chest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're right. I probably should not have expected that, knowing that uh, knowing that they were just shooting at tires and ricocheting bullets all over the place. Yeah. I need to give a little context about my choice. Uh, I just watched the new film um, Fresh with Sebastian Stan and Daisy Edgar Jones last night. And so I think I'm just very like non-trusting of weird, creepy men who come around to find me. So I immediately was like, this could maybe get off with self-defense if I shoot him center mass. So let's just do it. And <laughs> you have no bullets in your gun. So it, it doesn't really matter. All that I think matters for the future. Uh, Flora's going to smirk and smile when I say this. But uh, all that happens when you shoot your gun and nothing comes out of it is that this Frank man is now going to be more threatening towards you. Maybe that lands somewhere. Maybe it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, he pulls a knife on you, so I I think that if you decide to pull the trigger, you're not entirely unjustified here. Totally. What state Wait, are we in? What is it, yeah, what jurisdiction are we in? Because uh, <laughs> that's... We're in Florida. That, is there ca- oh, castle doctrine. Yeah, then you can probably do whatever you... Oh, it's not your home. <laughs> you're in the public. You're in someone else's property. No, you, I think it's... I think it actually is attempted is, murder. Is but, anyone else glad we have our chief gun officer here? Yeah, I'm just sh- shooting from the hip. <laughs> <away> in. Pun intended. <laughs> Yeah. You definitely picked the episode to start with. Yeah. Um, I think this has the most shooting <laughs> involved. Just t- so it's all downhill from here. Yeah, uh, terrible decision. Do not shoot. And downhill from that confrontation, you end up on some train tracks where you just chill and hang out until something really terrible happens. I think this game doesn't give teenagers enough credit. <laughs> as much as it's like YA stuff, it's like, who would be stupid enough to let... The train tracks are not comfortable. <laughs> Who would be laying on train tracks? Yeah, I didn't understand that, too. It seemed like a very cliche, like, danger moment. Like, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Oh, my ankle is stuck. Tommy, it's help me. Like, it's the whole, like, Wiley Coyote Roadrunner kind of thing. Yeah. I grew up 200 feet away from train tracks. Um, and the thing that kids always did and, like, the police would come by a lot was either they would put, like, stuff on the tracks or mm-hmm. there was a bridge that like you could jump into a body of water and the thing they would do is like right up until the train was about to come they would like jump off into the water during the summer like just dumb dumb stuff so i I guess it happens this is why video games were created to prevent kids from doing that like that's how fun in a different way essentially we just need psa music to come on and be like kids don't sit on the train tracks 
well, it it handles the train tracks in such a way like it, it's got a number of aesthetically pleasing shots, like the way that the camera frames the train tracks, the way that they're kind of back and forth hand holding relationship sort of builds over the course of this ambient scene. Like it, it has some really nice tones to it, but then like it almost feels, I don't know if any of you felt this way, but even on my first playthrough, it just, there was this pit in my stomach of, oh my God, they're just here to set us up for a dramatic moment. And yet again, another time travel puzzle. And um, this puzzle itself involves Chloe getting stuck on the tracks and Mac- Max having to frantically scan the environment, run around, find various tools. There's actually a number of ways that you can solve this scene. And I'm curious how you all handled oh. it. I didn't realize there were multiple ways to do it. Yeah. If you look at like the minor choice um, breakdown at the end, not the major choice breakdown, mm. it'll it'll specify what you chose to do. So what I remember doing was running over to the box and... Uh, trying opening it up, seeing that there were three wires that you know one needed to be cut. Then I tried to pull the 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 rail switcher, um, and realize okay, I need to run up the up the slope. I need to go into the little house. I need to find some tools. I found uh, wire snippers and a crowbar, and um, ran back down and. I don't know about you, but I didn't find this very tense or dramatic because I was like, I can just screw this up and rewind time over and over and over. So I'm just going to like try one of these things each time and ultimately get to the solution. And my solution was cutting the, I don't even remember what color wire it was, but after cutting every wire that it was not, I finally cut the correct (laughs) wire and, uh, and was able to, to move off the track. Man, I had I had the opposite, Mike, because I was I, this the time like it was like a countdown issue where like the train was coming, but there I didn't see a notification of when that was happening. So my actual heart was racing. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. I, I knew I had the rewind feature, but like my brain was telling me still there's a crisis happening. So I did mm-hmm. it a few times, climbed up, found the crowbar, went back down, tried to move the thing. It didn't work. She gets killed. Uh, and then I rewinded it again, climbed up, found some pliers, saw the thing was like, I opened up the fuse box thing, saw the bunch of them were cut or something. So I said, that can't be it. And then eventually, as I was walking by the like uh, the drum things, the the wheels, there was like, hey, you can push this over. And then they said, hey, there's a little thing on the side of it. So I followed that path to do it. So essentially, you push down one of those I don't even know what they are. They're little drums that spin down. Yeah, you like take that the wedge and, out and then this big yeah. drum of maybe wire or something. Yeah, I think that's what it It like was. knocks over the actual handle, which is too stiff to pull. When it knocks that over, I think it diverts the train. So uh, that's mm-hmm. how you save that sequence. And that's what I did eventually after a good like 15 minutes of panic, rewinding panic, rewind panic. Is that what you did too, Jacob? Yeah, I did the same thing. And the only comment I was going to make to add on is that I am with you mostly, Mike, of like it didn't, it didn't, seems super tense but the thing that was tense is the first time i saw the train round the bend and like come towards chloe uh that is the t- first time where i was like oh oh dang she, she gonna get killed uh do you see like if you fail to do the thing like do you see the train hit her yes it basically the camera will zoom into like a semi-transparent like sepia toned um slow-mo of the train basically it doesn't like get gory and 
blood doesn't like you know get carried all over the tracks but you know what's happening directly and in this playthrough i had the train kill her probably eight times <laughs> it wasn't that i got stuck i just for whatever reason took too long to get started doing uh what i inevitably did um which involves snipping that red wire and then pulling the handle myself on the tracks um as opposed to knocking down the weight um, so like the small choice that you are then shown at the end of the game is either you tampered with the tracks or you did not. And, uh, I, and 67% of people did not. Hmm. One, one of the goodens, one of the goodens, uh, once she's out, uh, you go back to the school. I think she's like, Hey, I need to go back to class and you make your way to the school. And, uh, before we head into the two choices that kind of end this game that kind of hit one after the other, was there anything that y'all wanted to talk about that you, you did at the school, you know, talk to Warren in a science experiment, talk to the drone girl. Was there anything super significant you wanted to jump into there? Not really. So you're making, you're making your way into class, uh, and you see Mr. Jefferson at the door and Mr. Jefferson is having a conversation with Kate that seems very heated. Uh, she runs away crying. Mr. Jefferson takes a phone call before class that you can literally sit in front of him and listen to where he's just like, <laughs> yep, uh-huh. It, you don't get anything from it, but you go to class and that's when the commotion starts of, hey, y'all, something's happening at the girls' dorms. Like, leave class. Let's go check it out. Mr. Jefferson's like, please don't like leave. Okay, cool, bye. And you make your way slowly to the dorm where... This shocked me, and I wasn't expecting this game to go here, and I should have known better because Life is Strange, it's a YA novel. Um, Kate Marsh is standing on top of the dorms, um, potentially trying to end her life. Not just potentially, it shows you her jumping down and hitting the concrete before you then, um, like, in a panic, rewind yeah. to the point where um, I, the real dilemma of this scene, it becomes not just um, how you're going to be saving her life, but Max has been overexerting her powers all day by hanging out with Chloe. Um, we've seen a gradual nosebleed start to happen whenever she's um, potentially going to pass out or just running kind of low on fumes, so to speak. And in this scene, her time travel just completely breaks. This this was uh, the one moment when, okay, I'm going to have a crazy connection. Remind me of Metal Gear Solid 4 at the end when <laughs> Snake is cr- crawling to like survive into like in the nuclear oh, like lockdown. Man. And then in this situation, Max is like crawling through like the Doctor Strange powers to like get to her before she falls over and you're running to the school. That I felt the exact same like, oh my God, will I get there crawling? Am I going to get there? Like w- waning. And that's, it, it was, it's funny to say, but I really loved the way like that, just the sh- the way it was animated or whatever it mm-hmm. might be that it, it added that like emotion. Like even if you didn't feel it, that slow down, the time moving, the rain droplets falling as you see them. It's like, are you going to get there? Me playing fresh, I don't know if this happened before, but I'm like, am I going to get there? I don't know if I can even make it the difference because this whole game has been you being able to rewind. And like you said, like the nose is starting to happen. I've never seen this sequence of me not being able to walk. I'm like, is this the time when I've used my powers too much and it's all for nothing? So in my, my, in my perspective, I'm like, I have no idea what's about to happen next. Am I going to save her? Am I not? It was a 50-50 in my eyes because I had no, everything I did, I had no idea if it was effective. Totally. And this is the first time that we get what is essentially a new power, or it is shown as a new power, which is pausing time instead of just rewinding time. Okay. So before it had been, you can always rewind and 
you know, go back to what had happened previously. But now you can kind of hold time and walk through it. Um, so everyone is is holding constant. And to me, that was like, oh, you're really exerting to hold time while you move through it, um, which which leads up to us um, potentially pressing F to pay respects <laughs> in that Metal Gear sense. Um so we, we we get our convo at the top of the building. Max meets Kate up there and says, hey. And that's where you have a conversation back and forth. And correct me if I'm wrong, but your choices in this decision decide whether Kate ultimately makes a, makes a step off the ledge or not. Yeah, absolutely. And um, there's an earlier scene in the game that we didn't really linger on where you have to bring Kate, I think, one of her books that she lets you borrow. And when you go into Kate's dorm room, you have the option, like you always do in these environments, to explore and observe a number of things in her room. And if you're paying attention, you will find the answers to these dialogue choices that you're given on top of the roof, like a Bible verse specifically that you know has been quoted to her that matters to her that she really finds kind of security in, or whether or not she's close with her dad or her sister or her mother because of this video being shown and how they all individually responded. And so um, on this rooftop, um, in like you kind of are actually tested on what you've paid attention to. And, um, and th- additionally, that phone call that you took earlier in, or didn't take earlier in the episode uh, becomes incredibly crucial here as well. And I will just open Pandora's box here and say that between the four of us, two of us saved Kate and two of us did not. Um, I did not save Kate, and I believe, Mike, you also did not save Kate, correct? I didn't even think it was possible. Mo and Flora, you both saved Kate, correct? Yeah, I have a, might have had a little asterisk, because remember earlier when I said I had that little guide for those four like memory things? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had a spoiler-free like kind of like guide, kind of not go- as I was playing, but it would say like you're in this new level there's so many things to click and it was just kind of it was like it didn't tell you what to click but it said this is a bunch of stuff that's here if you want to explore it blah 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 so i just naturally kind of made my own decisions through in this core process of from the very beginning i am trying to help kate because she's in trauma and it seems to be one of my best friends or whatever it might be so i was just locked in to like do any option that would like help her not even knowing that it was going to get to that point i just knew she was going through t like some kind of teenage drama and something was happening and my whole focus when i started was how can i be good to her and all the decisions i was making was focused to that so when i got to the end it was like what what could i do just to help her still even though it seems like my time skills are broken and i couldn't do it anymore and whatever happened happened i've got the sense that no matter what i clicked it was over but i still maintained my like logic of let's try whatever we can if this is the end let's make sure every stone has hasn't been or whatever the saying is like make sure everything's been tried no stone unturned yeah yeah so this part of the episode is the most memorable part by far and the first playthrough that i did a few years back i lost kate um i didn't pay sufficient attention in her dorm i 
didn't answer her phone call. And when you get these dialogue choices wrong, she calls you out for it. She explains how transparently you're just pretending to care about her because she's in this dire emergency. And I was, I mean, kind of internally destroyed having this character commit suicide at the end of this episode. And I I mentioned in episode one when we first started unpacking this series that I binged this series. Like, I went just right through all five episodes because I I was sucked in and hooked. Um, and this, I, I definitely think is one of the reasons why I was just, I needed to know like, wow, sometimes these adventure games feel like there are false choices and feel like the stakes are artificial. But in this moment, saving a character's life from self-harm is, um, I mean, it just has so much weight to it. So in this playthrough, I was tempted to open up a guide, but I, I just really took my time in her dorm and I knew which Bible verses to pick. I knew which family members she would be able to trust and rely upon. And I was still tense this time because I was determined to save her life. And I'm very, very uh, grateful that I was able to. Yeah, I did not. But I, I think I got through most of it. The, the place where I failed was, you know, I was obviously supportive and sharing things about Nathan and telling her to be strong, et cetera, et cetera. But I hadn't done the homework in her room. And so I chose like, hey, your mother should be your your uh, your rock or, or something along those lines when really it's either her father or your, her sisters that are the ones that you're supposed to choose. And mm-hmm. that I think it's the last dialogue option and that's where I failed and she stepped off the roof and died of suicide. So, um, and you don't have the option to rewind either. You are stuck with your choice, which is the first time that's happened in this game, Mo, if you're, if you're keeping count. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, that stripping of the power is also another layer of what adds weight here, because, um, I think, I don't know about the rest of you, but I started taking these powers for granted. And I did, even though the nosebleeds were foreshadowing this loss of power in this episode, I wasn't anticipating the game to actually take away my ability as the player here. I had with every single major choice up until this point, seen both options, like Mike was describing, having his cake and eating it too. Like that was how I was approaching every single decision. And so, um, having that stripped away at the Mm. last moment was, um, just yet another layer of, of storytelling there. Uh, you make it into Mo. Do you want to make any more comments? It's, it's a thing that relates to my like philosophy when I play games and not wanting to read. I didn't want to go back because I didn't want to click R one to read more options and like live with the decision. So yeah. <laughs> uh, the last section never change, Mo. The last section before we'll the end of the game is a section in the principal's office where um, you have essentially every character that may or may not be implicated in this inside of the the principal's office so in this case you have uh mr jefferson uh you have uh nathan prescott and you have um chloe's father um william no it's not william price that's her father david yes david is her stepfather thank you uh and everyone's like hey how did this happen uh max you're obviously the one responsible for this so let's focus on you stupid um, but really you have three people you can blame. You can blame or you can call out Mr. Jefferson. Uh, you can call out Nathan, uh, or you can call out, um, David. I always forget David's name, David, David Matson. That's his name, right? I think so. Okay. You can, the security. Yeah. Guard. You can call the three of them out. Uh, Flora. Um, 
I just want to point out like how strange this this episode um, putting this scene here at the end of the episode is um, after that really intense heavy emotional topic um, no matter what happens you end up in the principal's office and the finger is sort of pointed at you and you are implicated even if you save this character's life I was sort of expecting to be able to bypass that scene um, in saving Kate but the fact that you're still sat on the naughty step of the little like principal's office chair is um with you know uh nathan and everything else like it just it struck me as really cruel um and the the adults in the room even say um i know this is probably the too soon this is the wrong time to be having this but like they still go about it anyway like an interrogation and i just find that incredibly insensitive from the like just thinking about who these adults are they're not only that tropey like they never listen to what the kids say but then they are just stereotypically like hawkish the I, I totally agree. The existence of the scene made me think that there was no way to save Kate, especially because of the fact that they remove your rewind powers. Mm-hmm. That they that you would, you know, ostensibly try and rewind again and try different combinations, and he was preventing people from wasting their time trying to find a critical path to to save her. Yeah, I, th- I thought maybe it, the reason why. Was just like in terms of the administration side, I was like, they have no idea what happened. They know someone like almost tried to take their life. They know Max was up there and had communication. So was that positive, negative? Like why was Max there? What did they know? And then the Nathan kid, that must have been like some information. Like they knew somehow he was involved. So in my head, I'm like, the administration has no idea. They're kind of like, what happened? Who are the parties? And yeah, maybe it is too soon. But it was like, we need to know what happened because we have to probably talk to the parents. We have to probably do a blast on like a newsletter of some kind or whatever. Or talk to the police. How can you do that without collecting info? And obviously based off the scenario max was definitely involved in some way even because there that was the person that was able to communicate so that's that's why i thought okay a principal's office because what just happened Let, let's debrief uh in this instance three of us chose uh to blame nathan uh one of us chose to blame david and none of us chose to blame hottie mccotterson sorry i mean mr jefferson uh, <laughs> uh, so why don't we start with the most common choice, uh, which 63% of players chose, which was to blame Nathan and Flora, Mo, and Mike chose to blame Nathan. Somebody, t- ju- somebody yeah. jump in and talk through it. Yes. So it said 70% of players in my playthrough chose mm-hmm. to blame Nathan. And this seems like the absolute no brainer, no duh, like, Hey, we've got, all authorities we've got police we've got security we've got nathan here we've got ammo like you're never going to take this more seriously than when someone just killed themselves so i was like this is my time to take that shot and i know what game i'm playing i know it's not actually going to work but i was like this is the best possible chance for having this stick so i'm i'm going for it i'm shooting that shot mike and yeah. Just quickly, in fairness, I chose this and was not satisfied with the answer, which is why I changed it. Flora, go ahead. Oh, okay. I, I'm looking at the breakdown of uh, people, at least on Steam, and what choices they made here. I find it, number one, puzzling that this is actually presented to you as a major choice. It doesn't strike me as a major choice in the same sort of traditionally binary way that most adventure games of this genre tend to follow. Um, but 
then David is only blamed by 9% of people. Um, we, we hinted at this in the first episode, but like, I still don't like David, um, all things considered, having played the entire series. I won't be more specific than that. But, um, but to see him as the least blamed person in this scene strikes me as strange. I, I, I also agree. Nathan seems like the no-brainer. No question. Um, well. So I, I blame Nathan. And then the thing that I want to ask is it seemed like maybe you were missing some evidence or there was something missing because nothing really happened. They were like, hey, Max, you're suspended when I went around to Nathan. Whereas the answer that I got when blaming David is I had that picture of him threatening Kate. So I was like, hey, mm-hmm. David is part of the problem here. Let me whip out this photo that shows him threatening Kate. So like, here you go. And in that case, David was suspended for from work. And I felt accomplished there. I'm like, I hate David. I want him to go down because he's surveilling kids without their knowledge and without the school's knowledge. He deserves to be suspended. I know it's going to cause problems in the Chloe-David relationship, but I'm willing to take that chance. Did you have a conversation with David at the beginning of the episode uh, when you're walking yep, through I the did. school? You had that conversation with him about like, okay, okay. So I felt this episode was the clearest of like, oh yeah, like they set up David as the as the villain uh, in ep one, but it's very it's like much clearer to me now in ep two that like my read was right and that he's not actually the villain um, because like why would this it, it makes no sense for an you know an adult to like push you know push this kid to the edge of suicide right um and it probably comes out of a real sense of like paternal like care um which like just feels like it was more emphasized like if you look at it through the lens of like he's head of security at the school he he has probably seen this video of this girl doing this stuff and knows some of the factors at play in the town and in the school um that this was probably coming from a place of of care um even if the optics of it weren't great i was like oh man i can't wait to record this episode because i feel like i'm i'm getting more and more vindicated in my assessment that he is not the real villain and you just reminded me of the fact that when you return to the school like prior to when you overhear mr jefferson's phone call and he's like kind of having an argument with kate or whatever um david apologizes to you and so the game like the most recent interaction that you have with that character is kind of buttering you up and so like thinking about that as like a causal thing that influences people's choice making then perhaps like one of the reasons so few people have picked david here is because okay they just seen him transparently apologize and be to some extent more mature than he's at least presented in episode one so fair um, enough i do i want do, can we talk about predictions for one second so this is the first time in the series I think David is coming at this like we've all kind of said from a place of care um, he's just based on his background maybe carrying out his need for protection in the absolute worst ways possible like intention is right but execution is like zero out of a hundred is like F minus for sure um, for sure the thing that I think they're setting up is is I think Mr. Jefferson's the villain like I think secretly, like we are setting up Mr. Jefferson to be the one that is kidnapping girls, uh, and I really hope that's not the case because I'm gonna regret calling him Hottie McHotterson a lot in this show. <laughs> I think you've only done well, that once. Yeah, it was shocking enough. Can just I do now. it one more time, um, Hottie McHotterson? 
Mm, take some more pictures. Yeah, I get don't away, you understand can. any of that. I don't understand the reference. I don't think I want to. He's just hot. Um, that's all. There's no I, reference. Yeah, he's just he's, like the young, cool, stereotypical, like hip teacher or whatever. Oh, I think he's like presented to be yeah. like this um, object of romantic affection, you know, for young gotcha. women in the school or something like that. Like, there's like the stereotype in this or YA Jacob. fiction. <laughs> Understood. Um, or Jacob. <laughs> understood yes okay i definitely i get that um that actually might be the most likely <laughs> scenario if it's not nathan yeah. well, um, it, it would be a little too cliche if it was nathan all the way to the end mm-hmm. um and it's it's very clear to me it's not david <laughs> so it all depends how much um how much credit they give the the, the viewer the player yeah. Um, and I have to imagine it's not much. Yeah, it's, uh, that's why I'm kind of staying quiet because I, I had the whole, like, this is too cliche to be Nathan. However, I'm coming in fresh. What do I know so far? And it seems like all is coming around that this this guy is not the best person. This is something that's like, not like if someone said they did this, not that many people are like, oh, that's a shock. It's almost like, okay, yeah, that sounds very right. It seems like, and there was a gun involved in my playthrough that they ha- he had one in the like the girl's bathroom or something. So I had that being added on. Like, there's so many weird, shady situations. It just fits. We had a train track, a kid getting stuck in a train tracks. I'm like, everything's cliche, so this seems to fit, and that's why I kind of put my blame on him. And I have to ask, um, speaking of, like, the cliche of some of the nature of this game, we've we've talked a little bit about the writing and how stiff it feels and how um, predictable and tropey a lot of this is. Do do any of you think that this game is capable of taking twists and turns, narratively speaking, like subverting these expectations? Do you think that that's likely, given what we've already established in episode one and two? So here's... Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I think there's like layer one, what your expectations are as, as a viewer of the story. But then there's the layer two, the like the meta of like, oh, when you've seen enough of these, you know that the person who is set up in this way couldn't possibly actually be the villain in the end because it's it's too much of a there has to be that twist. There has to be that expectation subversion. Um, and that's that's where I'm like having difficulty figuring out like how how self-aware, how meta is this is this game and story like is it going is it going to take all those leaps? So, um, I think it's capable, but I don't know how capable, like, I don't know if I'm going to be surprised in the way, I mean, Hey, you know what? Now that, now that I think about it, now that you mention it, Flora, I was surprised that they actually killed Kate off this early Mm -hmm. and, and gave you the option to kill her or not. Like, so that's already better than I was expecting. Let's see. Let's see if they can do it. I think they can. Gotcha. I'm I'm committed. This I'm gonna get a little cynical, a little silly, but I'm convinced, even though it's not, that this is a Doctor Strange spinoff, and this is like the origin of his powers, and this is what's <laughs> happening, and that that's what I'm sticking to. And so there's gonna be some twists because I hope there is, because it seems like when you're adding some like some weird power and like some metaphysics into a storyline, you open the floodgate for anything that could happen and the story kind of becomes like something you shouldn't expect. So maybe they're setting us up to like this always happened, train track situation. I'm expecting maybe to, to go a little bit crazy and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we are left with a scene uh, again pre-rendered for those that are in the remastered version that just totally breaks the immersion in the game. Uh, but it just teases 
what's coming next and gives a little bit of closure to what's happening. So Max talking to Warren. Uh, the one thing I wanted to ask that I didn't understand is there's a man in a car talking to another man. Uh, and I, I thought it might have been Mr. Jefferson, but I was unsure. That was the one thing in, in that final scene that I was maybe a little confused on. Did anything else jump out at anybody in that final scene? Um, I I actually didn't notice the conversation happening in the car, at least not in this playthrough, or it doesn't strike uh, me as like significant to my memory. But the thing that I do remember from the scene is the kind of daytime eclipse mm, happening yes. just quickly and out mm. of nowhere. Yeah. Um, so in episode one, it ends with a supernatural event. It's like 80 degrees outside and it starts snowing. Uh, in this episode, we have just a, a sudden eclipse just spontaneously, and they comment on it briefly as things wrap up. Um, another thing to mention, and we haven't talked about it, at least in this episode, but one of my favorite things about Life is Strange is the licensed music. And in a lot of these scenes, there are a number of these montages that are presented to us with music. And um, some of the songs in this episode, like Crosses or my, or sorry, Mount Washington, um, which is the one that plays during this scene, um, are like just some of my favorite tracks, like licensed tracks in gaming period. It's not the kind of music I would normally listen to, but I think it's just so appropriate to the tone setting of like the Northwest vibes um that it's uh, stuff like that really sells me um and just gives you time to emotionally process something like what this episode is presented did you have an audio bug in your version because in my remastered version i had an audio bug that meant i got no music during the final scene <laughs> oh. no i that did yeah. not happen no yeah, me neither music was great okay. i loved like the the, the the game felt good and i usually like always kind of credit that to the music um, that the people put in, whether it's like tracks or just ambiance or like uh, background noise. So it, it felt like a very well polished cinematic film that we were able to interact with. Like, and that's that's kind of how I took that game. Um, any final thoughts about Life is Strange episode two, Out of Time? There is one final thing. It's kind of the lingering shot at the end of this episode where we see um, the montage ending with like a slow pan from some binders um, that are on a table with some names of women on them. And then we see some photos of Kate on a table, which implies, you know, some sort of mastermind villain. Um, And we, we hinted at speculating and predicting who this might be. But um, I I have in my notes just a couple of the details that um, are shown to us there. So there's the photos of Kate. um, There's a box cutter. There's pill bottles and just a few more things. So, um, you know, the question of whether Kate was actually drugged, I mean, I think is all but confirmed. The case of her having an individual stalker that was driving her towards this act, I think, is additionally confirmed here. Um, And the game hints at something in episode one that i teased you all with last time and here we have like a more specific zoom in for kate specifically so that's interesting i didn't consider it from that angle i only considered i i immediately thought like oh that's david's garage Mm. like that's david david's garage where he had the photos already um like those were all things that would exist in a garage so i didn't think about it critically like that I just made assumptions. Hmm. And see, I brought up the the Jefferson thing because I'm like, who takes photos? Jefferson. Who would have an uh, an exacto knife probably for their dark room? Jefferson. Uh, who is oh. an artist and may have depression and take you know anxiety or depression medication? Maybe it's Jefferson. My well, last that's, one's a leap. That, that is a that's big a leap, leap right there. <laughs> the first two were bang on, so give me those. <laughs> yeah. 
The two, the first two are better. Yes. Hmm. I think they progressively got more yeah. of a leap. Yeah. But, but yes. <laughs> I would agree. Um, <laughs> cool. Thank you for bringing that up because I think that is a very important thing that, uh, that I'm sure will come into play in episode three, uh, which we're going to dive into in about a month from now. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, you can find all things Left Behind Game Club at leftbehindgame.club on the internet. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Left Behind Club and on Instagram at Left Behind Game Club. If you want to join our Discord, we have a specific section of the Discord where there's a few folks talking about Life is Strange, uh, spoilers and all. So if you want to join in the conversation, you can go to leftbehindgame.club slash Discord to jump in there. If you love the podcast, do us two favors. Number one, send it to a friend because that's how people hear about podcasts and to give us a five-star review on your podcasting platform of choice um apple yes uh spotify now has reviews so if you're uh, listening to us there make sure to do that and if you review us send us the review and we'll read it on the air for you uh you can find me on the internet at jacob mccord on all major social media platforms i'm starting to do a lot of tiktoks uh so i'd love to see you there uh lots of tiktoks some some weird ones that went kind of viral tiktok's very weird uh, again, that's uh, at Jacob McCourt, J-A-C-O-B-M-C-C-O-U-R-T on uh, TikTok. Uh, Mo, where can folks find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on almost all social media platforms at Mertati. That's my first initial and my last name. Uh, or you can find me also sitting around the Discord chatting about video games and trying to get some deals, you know, trying to play some new games, but I don't want to spend a whole lot. That's kind of where I go in the community where we just share every little deal that we can get. Um, uh, Flora, where can the fine folks find you? You can find me on Twitter at LudoNarrativeFM, and you can check out my written work at EpilogueGaming.com. Um, I think that's mostly what I've got going on now. I do have a horror week coming up on my Twitch channel, uh, if you want to check that out, uh, twitch.tv forward slash LudoFM. And Mike. Nice. Uh, well, you can find me at RufaloM on most social places online or in the Discord server. You can also find me at michaelrufalo.com or .ca because I got that bump for that branding. And then, um, yeah, you know, I think I think that just about wraps us as an app. And my friends, that's one less episode left behind. I'm Jacob McCord. I'm Katie Lasbrance. And I'm Travis Colnett. We are hosting a brand new podcast called Cutscenes. There are tons of video game podcasts and tons of TV film podcasts, but we're going to bring you the intersection of both and talk about video game, movies, and TV. I know what you're thinking. Aren't most of them not very good? Wrong. Some of them are fine. And we're going to tell you all about them. Make sure to subscribe on your podcasting platform of choice. Follow us on Twitter at Cutscenes underscore pod. And most importantly, give us a listen. See you soon. Scenes, a video game movie podcast.